Hey, can we give our worship team a hand? Haven't they done a great job all year long? All year long, they've done such an awesome job. Thank you so much. Joy to the world. What great news that we get to celebrate and rejoice on this Christmas Eve day, this rainy Christmas Eve day, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the greatest gift ever. The greatest gift. The greatest gift from the Heavenly Father. And, and, and a lot of us, we know this scripture, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave, right? He gave his one and only son. He emptied out heaven for us. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. Amen. That's good news. And Jesus was not born to gain earthly power, wealth, and a kingdom of passing glory. Jesus was born for so much more. So much more. He came to establish a kingdom that would last forever. That he came to rule and reign in the hearts of mankind. He came to win victory for us over the enemy of our souls. Could it have been imagined that this little child had come to bring good news to the poor? To bind up the brokenhearted? To bring freedom to the captive, relief to the oppressed, healing for the sick, and the forgiveness of sins. Oh, church, we have something to rejoice about today. We rejoice in the one that brought good news, joy to the world, for the Lord has come. And I want to personally say Merry Christmas to you, to our TFA church family. Love you guys. Rachel and I love you dearly. You guys make it so easy to pastor and to shepherd you. We love those that are joining us online. Maybe you didn't make it in today because it was pouring down rain, right? And it's hard to get here sometimes. But thank you for being here today. We love you guys. And this morning, we're going to talk about God's greatest gift. And to do that, I want to go back to the original Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there and we'll pick up the story in verse 6 in just a moment. But here's what's happening. That Mary and Joseph are going to Bethlehem for a census. And during that time, people would travel back to the city of their birth or where their family is originally from so they could be counted. And they had to travel 90 miles to get to Bethlehem. And I want you to think during that time, there's no cars. There's no trains. I mean, we really have no idea how difficult this trip was for Mary and Joseph. Just the fact that Mary was nine months pregnant. Being in her final trimester of pregnancy and walking 90 miles or possibly being on a donkey part of the way. Come on, I mean, I can't even walk one mile. You know, she's walking 90 miles, being nine months. But after, hey, Daniel says, I got hope. I got hope. You're going to see your pastor get in shape. I believe it this year. This is the year for me, okay, and for you. But during that time, people would usually travel about 20 miles a day, going from Nazareth to Bethlehem, would usually take about four to five days. However, given Mary's late stage of pregnancy, the number would have been much less, more likely probably 10 miles a day, taking their trip uh, probably to a nine to 10 day period. And according to scholars, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke that recorded the nativity moment are so brief about the journey because they assumed that the reader would know what it was like to travel this journey during this time. And they say today that we have no idea how difficult this road was, this path was. There were a lot of dangers. They said there was wild animals everywhere. There were bandits and robbers and all these and more factoring into the nature of this trip. In fact, archaeologists have uncovered signs warning travelers of these kinds of dangers. They would have gone south along the flatlands of the Jordan River, then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem, and on into Bethlehem. 
It was a grueling trip, especially for a young lady that was nine months pregnant. And when they finally get to Bethlehem, Joseph tries to check them in to the local Holiday Inn. And the innkeeper comes out and says, sorry, there's no vacancies, there's, there's no room, there's a census taking place here, this place is full. And here's what's hap- is going on right now. Let's, let's look at verse 6 and chapter 2. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In this moment, this is the birth of Christ, our Savior. This is the Christmas story. This is in the scriptures Isaiah 9, 6 spoke of. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. This is Micah 5, 2 that, 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 that God talks about. But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. Bethlehem, you're so small, you wouldn't even show up on the GPS right now. That's how small you are. But from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says that the word, and we talked about this a few weeks back, the word is who? It's Jesus Christ. He became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's what we're celebrating today. That God himself took on the name Emmanuel, God with us. That he's with us. That through Jesus, God was moving in our world that first Christmas. And so how do we get the most out of, out of Christmas? Number one, first, we celebrate God's gift today. You don't have to wait for tomorrow. You don't have to do A, B, and C, or one, two, and three to celebrate the gift today. Today, it's available for you. Let me ask some of you guys on your family traditions. How many of you guys actually open up all your gifts on Christmas Eve? Got a few? You just can't wait, right? Christmas Eve. see some hands. How many of you guys really wait to the day of Christmas and then you open up all your gifts? Okay, some of you guys get no gifts. That's great. I feel bad for you. How many of you guys do the tradition where you get to open up one gift on Christmas Eve and then you open up the rest of your gifts on the day of Christmas? How many of you guys do that? Some of you guys do that. The problem is, I, you know, I tried that before, that last one. And the problem with that is usually the Christmas Eve gift is a bad gift. Yeah, you get socks. You get socks, underwear, pajamas, or something like that, right? It's a bad system because you can't recover from, uh, because you can't recover because you don't have a good gift to make up or to cancel out the bad gift that you just got, right? You have to wait till the next day to get the real good gifts. But either way, we all have to wait to when it's time to open up the gifts. And a lot was happening during this time until Jesus was born. Mary waited nine months. Anne and Simeon waited their entire lives to see the Messiah. The, the nation of Israel had waited for 400 years for a prophet to speak again to them. Great men and women of faith for many years throughout the Bible waited and hoped for the day of this great gift of salvation through the Savior. And the book of Galatians tells us that just at the right time, Christ came into the world. And the good news of Christmas is we don't have to wait anymore. We don't have to wait until tomorrow on Christmas Day to open up the greatest gift ever given. This gift is not found under a tree. It cannot be bought with money. It's a free gift from God the Father himself to us. And tomorrow, many of us will open up gifts, or maybe you already have. And some will be exactly what you wanted. Some will be the gifts that you did not want at all. 
And that's just called re-gift. You just wrap that baby back up and you give it to somebody else. I know because I get a lot of those every year. Keep them coming to your pastor. I love the re-gifts. I'll take them. But my prayer this Christmas is that you would discover or rediscover the joy that comes with God's great gift. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say joy. That you would discover or rediscover the joy that comes with God's greatest gift. Listen, when we open up a gift, right? I mean, if you have any emotions at all, there comes this joy, this excitement and anticipating of what this gift is going to be. You, I mean, you're like, man, I, I can't wait. There's some joy. You're enjoying opening up this gift, especially when you're a kid. I mean, you're just killing it and you're, you're just taking the wrapping paper and throwing it out, right? You can't wait to open up that gift. And in the same way, when we come to God, with this childlike faith, when God the Holy Spirit begins to draw us to this greatest gift, to Jesus, there should be this stirring in our spirit. There should be this excitement in our hearts. What God is doing that we're hearing about the gift of salvation. We're hearing about how he offers new life, how he offers forgiveness, how he offers grace and mercy and peace and so much more. There should be this excitement inside of us that we open up our heart and we receive Jesus Christ, the gift of salvation. And that salvation, it brings joy. Joy. But we know as we continue our journey and God, after we receive the gift, life is still filled with twists and turns. There are things that we experience that, that shape who we are in hard and purposeful ways. And as a result, our view of God and our relationship with him may have been affected in some difficult ways. Although season changes, God doesn't. He still wants you to rediscover the joy of your salvation. To go back to how you first opened up the gift. How you first, the Bible says in Revelation, how you first fell in love with the Lord. And maybe you need to pray today that the Lord will restore your joy. In Psalms 51 verse 12, it says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. That God's gift brings Joy. There's joy in his presence. Not only does God's gift brings joy, God's gift also brings eternal life. Meaning the gift is lasting and existing forever. Think about that. Without beginning or end, it's never ending. Can you imagine a gift like that? Most of the gifts that we get for Christmas will eventually be outdated. I mean, you can get the new phone this year, and by time next year, what, it's time for an upgrade. Maybe you get the newest electronic or the newest toy or whatever, but eventually a newer and faster version is going to come out. Maybe today or tomorrow you get the clothes and the shoes that you want, but soon they'll be worn out and out of style. Oh, but the gift of Jesus and all that he offers just continues to give and grows in value. What's so awesome about the gift of God, that the more that you understand it, the more it continues to wow you. It never loses its luster. It never loses the all factor. You just stand in awe of God's gift of salvation, of his grace, his love, his mercy, his forgiveness. It keeps getting better and better and better. There are rare gifts that when you first receive them, that you don't realize just how valuable they are. 
In fact, they grow more valuable to you with the passing of time. It could be a family heirloom with deep sentimental value. It can be some type of uh, sports collector's item. It could be a rare gift that increases in value as time goes by. The value of the gift that God offers lasts forever, all eternity. Eternal life. Paul says it like this in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's so great about God is that God's gift doesn't just kick in when death comes knocking. It can be enjoyed today, tomorrow, forever. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Let's pick up the Christmas story and see how this gift of Christ changed everything, especially for some struggling men that first Christmas in verse 8. Quite a few scriptures here, but stay with me. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And so when God gets ready to tell the world the good news, right, to announce the greatest news ever, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, that all the the prophecies have been talking about for hundreds of years, all the Old Testament writing has been pointing towards this moment, waiting for the Messiah, the Savior, all of the the, the Hall of Faith, right, uh, in Hebrews, and talking about they were looking for the promise, the salvation, they died with the hope believing that the Savior was coming, but never saw the promise that is finally here in this moment and finally here to destroy the power of sin in our lives to bring us salvation and at this very beginning we capture a glimpse of God's heart because of who he chooses to share the news with the best and greatest news of all time he chooses to first tell a group of shepherds that's who was important to God Now, here's why this is pretty crazy, because during this time, shepherds were not respected by anyone. Shepherds were the lowest class in Jewish society. They were homeless. They would sleep in the fields with their sheep and animals. They were known for stealing and being liars. If a shepherd went to court, his testimony could not be used as evidence. Shepherds were not even allowed to come into the Jewish temple to worship or to make sacrifices to God. They were not to be trusted. They weren't what you would have considered religious or spiritual. But yet when it came time for God to tell the world about the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, he went to the shepherds, to a group of men whose hearts and lives were far from God and shared and announced the birth of the savior of the world. I love what this reveals and what this shows about our God and his heart. It shows us what God cares about. 
that God cares about taking those who are far away from him and bringing them close. You might have walked in here far from God, but God cares about you. He sees exactly where you're at, and he wants to bring you close to him. When God shows up to the shepherds in the field, it's as if he looks down from heaven and picks out the dirtiest people who are the furthest away from him, who want nothing to do with him. And he says, I want you. I want you to be mine. I want them to know that I'm sending the Savior, that I'm sending Jesus to take away their sins so that they can know me and trust me and follow me. And here's what we learned, that God's gift is to be received. Those shepherds couldn't earn it. They were far from God. There's nothing they could do to earn God's love. It cannot be earned. These shepherds came into that first Christmas feeling like they were not good enough. They weren't respected by their own community. They were unclean, yet God allowed them to have a front row seat to the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. It's interesting that that the only ones who got to see the angels that night were the shepherds. Think about it. These shepherds had nothing to offer God. They couldn't earn God's favor. They couldn't pay their way into God's good standing with the Lord. Most would think that God, we, I mean, this is how we would work it out. Most of us would go, God, I, I got this for you. Jesus is coming. He's coming to be Emmanuel. He's taking on humanity. He's coming from heaven. He's coming to the earth. Maybe the announcement should be to some queens and kings, some important people in this world. Maybe some people with some money in society. Maybe the holy and religious people. God says, nope. I want it to go to the shepherds. Those that are far from me. Those that are down and out. Those that are dirty. Those that are unclean. Those that are called outcasts. I want them to know. And I want them to worship me. To know me. And this is the gospel. For God so loved the world. So you and I are never good enough by our own works to see God. That's the reason for Christmas. We needed a savior. There's this famous story, and I love reading this, that this kid wrote. He said, Dear Santa, I've been good all year. Well, most of the time. At least some of the time. Never mind, I'll just buy my own gifts. (laughs) That's where we're at. We come before the Lord, and there's nothing that we can do. We don't even have righteousness. I can't earn favor. It's all Christ. It's his grace. It's his mercy. It's his forgiveness. It's his righteousness that makes us right. And if we're not careful, we can mix up the Santa story with the Jesus story. And the Bible teaches us that we we are all on God's naughty list, that none of us can make it on God's nice list. That's why Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The story of Christmas that you and I were doomed in sin But here comes Jesus to save us. And he offers us the gift of salvation that brings eternal life. Eternal life and joy. Notice that the angels told the shepherd in verse 10, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Paul said it like this in Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice. Because of salvation, we can rejoice that we are in right standing with God because our sins have been forgiven. 
that Jesus came to forgive sins and offer peace with God. And there's a joy that comes in being in right standing with God. There's a joy knowing that your life is in Christ's hand, that we have eternal life in Jesus Christ. The greatest gift is the gift of salvation. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, I thank you today as we celebrate, we celebrate the greatest gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. And God, we thank you, Lord, through salvation, God, we can rejoice in that. We can walk in peace. We can walk in the joy of the Lord. We can walk knowing, Lord, that we're secured. God, that we have eternal life. We celebrate it today. And we look forward to tomorrow and the next day and the next day for all eternity, walking in your salvation, Lord. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, if you walked in here and you're far from the Lord, I want to tell you that God's looking at you and he says, I love you. I died just for you to bring you close to me. And if you need to receive Jesus today, the greatest gift of salvation. He'll come in and forgive you of your sins. And the Bible says he'll make you brand new. This is the greatest gift that you can receive this Christmas. So with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. If that's you this morning, say, Pastor, today I want to receive salvation. Today I want to receive Jesus. We just raise your hands. Nobody's looking. It's just between you and the Lord this Sunday. Anybody in here? I don't want to miss you. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see those hands. You can put them down. I saw hands that went up with your eyes closed and your heads bowed. How many say, Pastor, I received the greatest gift of salvation, but just through trials and tribulations and just life challenges, I have lost that joy. And I want to do what the psalmist says. I want to rediscover my joy this Christmas. Oh, God, will you come in and just refill me, renew my spirit with joy? I'm going to give the heaviness to the Lord. I'm going to receive this joy, this peace this morning. If that's you, nobody's looking. It's just between you and God right now. Just raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I want to rediscover my joy. Thank you. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray this prayer with you this morning. I'm not going to call you up, but if you raised your hand, your eyes are still closed, your heads are still bowed, and you you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Bible makes it very clear. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in Him, you confess that He's Lord, you open up your heart and you invite Him in, you will be brand new today. You ask Him to forgive you of your sins. So I'm going to pray this prayer, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you raised your hand for salvation. And I want you to pray this prayer here. Dear Jesus, today I believe in you. And I believe that you are the greatest gift. And I confess that I am a sinner. And this Christmas, I opened up my heart to receive you as my Savior. Will you come in and forgive me of all my sins? and make me brand new and from this moment on i will follow you you are my god you are my savior in jesus name i want to pray for those that raised their hands for one to receive joy to a refreshing and renewing this christmas to rediscover the joy of the lord father you saw every hair every hand that went up 
God, I pray that this morning you would pour out your spirit. Will you renew, Lord, the joy of their salvation? Oh, God, as we remember, God, everything that you have done for us, that you laid your life down for us, because of you, our sins are forgiven. Because of you, God, we have heaven eternal life. Because of you, God, we can walk through the valleys. We can walk through the, the dark times, Lord. We can trust in you. And God, today I pray you would pour out your spirit. God, will you bring joy back to the hearts of your people again? We rejoice in you, oh God. That today we take our eyes off anything that would be hard. And we begin to magnify you. That you're the God of every circumstance. You're the God over every situation, and we put our trust in you today. We give you all the glory, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning as we prepare to close? As we celebrate the gift of Christmas, as we sing and light candles that represent the light that came into the dark world, that first Christmas when Jesus came. John 1 9 is talking about Jesus coming to the world. So it's the true light which gives light to everyone who was to everyone was coming into the world. And that's referring to Jesus Christ in John 8:12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As you light your candle this morning, I want you guys to reflect on Jesus on your salvation in him and would you worship him and love him and as you just go around would you light your neighbors candles sharing the love of Jesus with others